Hey, it's Mike here from Music Radio Creative. Just before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know about a free exclusive audio download for you as a podcast listener. If you'd like to claim it, head over now to mrc.fm forward slash play. That's P-L-A-Y, mrc.fm forward slash play and enjoy the episode. Want the exact Adobe Audition multi-track template we use to produce audio at Music Radio Creative? Get it at mrc.fm slash Hi, I'm Mike Russell from Music Radio Creative. Welcome to the Adobe Audition podcast, where I'm interviewing power users of Adobe Audition. We'll reminisce back to Cool Edit Pro and take you right up to date with Adobe Audition CC. If you'd like to learn about audio production, everything from vocal effects to radio imaging, commercial production to music mixing, join my next audio production course at mrc.fm slash learn. That's mrc.fm slash l-e-a-r-n learn. Master Adobe Audition. Training, workshops, one-on-one coaching, courses. Head to mrc.fm slash learn. My guest on this show is Brendan McDonald. He is the co-creator and executive producer of WTF, the podcast with Mark Maron. Not only that, Brendan is an Emmy-winning producer and he's a veteran from TV, radio and online media. Uh, he lives right now in Brooklyn in New York with his wife and son. And of course, it's fantastic, Brendan, to welcome you onto the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. So really excited to hear that you're an addition user. Uh, Tell me a little bit about how you are using Adobe Audition on a day-to-day basis. Well, I use it exclusively to produce the podcast. And really, it's the only uh, program I've ever used to produce any of the audio products I've worked on, be it podcasting uh, or in radio. Um, And I've really just found that it's, you know, it's just like having a comfortable car that you don't want to give up. It's, it's It's the best product for what I need to use it for. And, and it's, it's just the most comfortable fit for me. Absolutely. No, that makes sense. And uh, like you say, you've been, you've been using it for a while. So would you remember back to the Cool Edit days by chance? Yes, absolutely. That was when I started using it. I think it was Cool Edit 2.0, uh, about 2004 or so was uh, when I started using it on a daily basis. And uh, that was to do a uh, uh, radio production on a morning radio show that I did with Mark Marin. Uh, that was live morning radio, and uh, we did everything. Not only did we use Cool Edit to, to to edit production, we were actually firing live audio from a Cool Edit console uh, through the board, and uh, it was just much more reliable than the system that the the station had set up. So we we found that that one was crashing and failing. It was much easier for us to kind of set up a little playlist in Cool Edit and play it uh, right off the board. So uh, I've, I've just kind of been, I was won over and it's uh, had my heart ever since. That's amazing. That's amazing to hear as well that actually Cool Edit back in the day, now Adobe Audition, was more reliable than your radio station's playout system. Oh yeah. I, not, not that surprising when I think back to it, but yes, it was definitely more reliable. Absolutely. And so uh, back in the day when you were, you were working with Mark in radio, were you um, uh, editing together uh, calls and, uh, and bits and sound bites in, in Cool Edit and doing all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it was mostly primarily for like production for bits. And, um, you know, we would, uh, 
we, we that, that was a great thing about it is we it was a 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. morning show. And a lot of times, you know, we'd get in at three, four in the morning and talk about something, discover something funny and then say like, hey, let's record that, do a little bit around that. And the cool edit now Adobe is just so it was just so quick and it, user intuitive that we could turn things around really fast. And um, that was the that that was one of the big reasons I think I just it just stuck with me, especially as I got into podcasting and realized I had to, you know, basically do this all on my own and, and have a, a certain comfort level with the software and whatever equipment I was using. Uh, it made it you know, that much more important that it was a, a, a product that was familiar to me and usable. Definitely. No, I agree. And uh, certainly from my experience working in radio, most radio stations that I walk into, when you walk into the production studio, uh, there is uh, Adobe Audition uh, available to use to either, like you say, produce bits, edit calls, or of course, uh, produce station imaging. Uh, and I'm curious, obviously, you're using Adobe Audition now to edit WTF with Mark Marin. Do you think Adobe Audition is is a bit of a, a, a standard piece of software? Do you think most podcast producers are using this software? I mean... I would hope they were. What I find that I often get asked by people who are starting out is like, you know, do I need to learn Pro Tools, right? Or do I need, you know, there's just some some expectation that there is a high level of uh, audio dexterity that's needed uh, to do this. And I'm like, do you know, like in general, like a kind of Microsoft Word interface? Are you familiar with something like that when you're doing word processing or Excel spreadsheets? Like, is that comfortable to you? And the answer is usually yes. And I'm like, well, great. Go download Adobe Audition and start working on that because that that's what you need to use. You need something that's got, you know, a, a very intuitive, simple interface and, and you know, you just don't, you, you don't need to... Um, be working across eight channels, you know, or whatever it is, even though you can, obviously. Uh, but the the uh, the best is just the simplicity, and, and it really is a virtue. I, I don't I know a lot of people think that that's damning with faint praise. I think it's a total virtue of the of the program that it is simple and direct. I'm interested now to, um, before we hop back into Adobe Audition, how you're using it and some of your favorite parts of the software, uh, let's talk more about you and uh, your career, Brendan, as obviously a podcast producer and before that working in radio and some of the projects you've worked on and perhaps even some of your hopes and your aspirations for the future. Let's start maybe with... um, a challenging project that you've taken on as a producer, what is something that really pushed you to your limits, whether that was your, your brain power or uh, the fact that you were maybe staying up all night to get a project completed or something with lots of moving parts? What would that be for you? Well, I would say that those are like, it, 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 I'm, I'm often staying up late to get, to get stuff done. I'm often uh, challenged by uh, myself in that I want something to sound better and so I'll go you know, about ways of making that happen. Um, I, I tend to like those the most though. Like they, they don't strike me as like challenges that stick with me in a traumatic way. They're like, Oh, I can't, I can't believe I got through that one. It's almost like I push myself toward making things, uh, a, a little more, um, you know, I don't want to say difficult. That's not the word, just more, uh, you know, you know, requiring a, a little more skill, uh, than just a straightforward edit. I, I would say the hardest challenges are when the recording is not up to snuff. Like that's that. Those are the times where I find that I'm 
having to make better use of the reduction tools in the program or, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just generally, uh, less comfortable when I feel like, Oh no, is this, is, is this source material gonna, uh, gonna hold up? Does this cut the mustard? And I'm, I'm less concerned when it's a challenge in terms of like producing a more, uh, overwhelming sonic palette. Like that, that stuff is fun to me. I enjoy that. Um, so, you know, I can think of plenty of times where I've been given a recording, you know, that, that I'm like, oh man, this sounds rough. Yeah. Particularly like you say, when you come across audio, uh, that's not up to scratch and, uh, clearly you have to make a call as the executive producer of the podcast, whether that audio is going to be good and whether the, the listeners are going to enjoy listening to that or whether they're going to find it hard or, uh, unintelligible to find out what the, uh, the guest or the person is saying. Do you ever get situations where you, you simply say, oh, I've got to can that piece of audio or I've got to go back to whoever recorded it and ask them to record again? We, we've only had one situation where we actually can something was literally unusable it was a you know was there was a, you know just complete degradation of the of the audio um, we had one situation where I thought that was going to be the case and and I personally could not fix it um, and uh, we we kind of put out an all points bulletin on that saying anybody who's had experience restoring audio uh, you know please help. And we got the help with it. It was, you know, um, one that we didn't think we were going to salvage, and we did. Now, with the podcast, WTF, with Mark Maron, you have achieved some amazing things, including, I, th- I think most famously, uh, very recently, is the interview with uh, President Obama in the uh, in the shed. What a fantastic episode. Do you want to tell, before I ask you about the, the your cool aspirations for the future, do you want to tell us a little bit about that episode and what it was like to be a producer on that particular episode? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, for for. A couple of guys who started this out with no expectations and and had the idea that you know it would be a nice side project for us as we rolled along with our other various career ventures. Uh, it was, I would say, fairly unexpected <laughs> that something like that should happen. And you know, as a producer on it, it wasn't. There's a there's a certain element of it where you don't change up too much. Uh, in that you feel like if your skill set brought you to this point, it should carry you through in a moment uh, that's that's of greater magnitude. Um, but obviously there were so many more moving parts to that. There were, um, you know, a lot more, um, people involved. And like I I mentioned to you, uh, when we first were talking that, um, you know, it's, it's still, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty small operation for myself and Mark, which just the two of us, uh, you know, to, to do a, to do a show with the full cooperation of the white house and all their communication staff and all the secret service and and um everyone that travels with that presidential motorcade uh it was quite the production and uh i think you know the fact that it was on our turf definitely helped it uh it left us in a comfort zone that we you know knew we could control um we uh we definitely had a lot of backups running that day in case anything were to go down i was going to ask you about that yeah that's it because the last thing you want to do as a podcaster is lose the audio so tell tell me a little bit more about the backups you had running did you have backups of backups of backups yeah well we usually have one backup running which is um just a zoom hd recorder that mark runs directly into his board and and captures the file raw like that we uh on that day, we used a Zoom 
that was not plugged into any uh, any power source and not running into the board. That was just had an external mic. Uh, that was like our third emergency background ba- backup uh, that could, um, you know, in the case of like a massive Los Angeles wide power failure. Uh, we, we'd still be able to go. That's amazing. So, Brendan, you really thought of every eventuality, even in case of power cut, the president wouldn't have to re-record or re-say whatever. So you, you didn't want to be that guy, I assume, that had to say, excuse me, Mr. President, but we, we just lost the last 15 minutes of audio. Would you mind starting from the top? Yeah, I definitely didn't want to be that guy because I know that if I had said that, the answer would have been, well, that's too bad. Uh, they were not going to be giving, they were not going to be adding time onto the president's schedule uh, because the two guys in their garage couldn't figure out how to make the recording happen. Very cool indeed. Um, So let's talk about um, maybe one cool project that you'd like to work on, perhaps that you haven't told anyone about yet. Yeah, that's interesting to think about because I just get so immersed in the podcast. You know, we do two a week and uh, it's, you know, it's been going on for nine years now and doesn't up. So it really is the thing that's in my uh, foreground all the time. I, I don't, I actually wind up pushing a lot of projects away just because I don't like to get distracted from it. You know, every now and then I can do a little additional work for something I find interesting. But in, in terms of actually having something uh, aspirational to work on, I, I don't have something specific. I would say that, you know, what I've always thought would be cool specifically as an audio producer is to work on a film. Um, you know, I, I, I just a lot of times feel like the uh, the type of stuff I've done at my best uh, in audio uh, is, is stuff that I also admire in watching film and, and, and uh, admiring the sound design and the sound effects and the editing. Uh, so like in a kind of aspirational, you know, take your pick of a, of a dream job wish that you could do. That, that's something I would love to do. Yeah, I really like that. And yeah, uh, totally different skill set. I would imagine that you'd be using from podcasting. Definitely. Um, so let's talk about how you got into audio a little bit, Brendan, and, um, what the point was for you when you realized that this is something you're going to be doing. So was your path um, straight from uh, childhood uh, and studies into radio? Is that is that how you got started in the radio industry? I mean, I you know, I don't ever think I thought to myself uh, as a child, man, I, I, I can't wait to be on the radio or even working with audio. Uh, it, it really wound up happening when I was in school. Uh, I was at Fordham University here in New York, and they have a fantastic radio station that I just thought it would be cool to work at. Like I had a work study job and I thought, well, you know, why go sit in the computer lab and, you know, scrub hard drives uh, of, of all the garbage that people are putting on it. I'd rather go, you know, work at a cool job like the radio station. And uh, that was just the getting in there and it was a real open door. They were very welcoming to students, but they it was run professionally it's a national public radio affiliate station. So obviously the uh, attitude toward making radio and, uh, you know, relied on a, a good product to get donations from their, you know, as a member supported station. So uh, they weren't going to let, you know, garbage get on the air, but they were going to help students to make good product. And it was just from doing that, I was, I was in. Once that started happening, I, I you know, 
I've never not had a job in production since since school. That's amazing. What is it for you that really sort of sets your world on fire about working with audio? Is there one thing in particular that you just really enjoy that fires you up and sort of fuels your passion? Become a great audio producer. Learn the secrets of creating great sounding audio. Go to mrc.fm slash learn. Well, I think I always wanted to make stuff like in a in a consumable way. And I didn't have exactly a fine point on that. I, you know, had a, you know, had, had a background in doing theater productions in in school. Uh, I had a, I, I for a while was a, a newscaster on the radio here in New York. Um, so I always liked the idea of I'm putting something out in the world that other people are taking in immediately. There was that was the reaction I I, I wanted. I wanted to get the gratification of like I did this and people heard it right away or saw it or read it. You know, I, I, I think I would have been on a path to do something like that. And it, and it just so happened that being in, uh, getting trained in radio, uh, drew a very clear picture of how to accomplish that. And, and then I was able to, while working in it, kind of fine tune, well, what do I actually like in terms of doing this? And, you know, as I mentioned, doing newscasts as a, as a news reader on the air, it, it took maybe two years for me to figure it out, but I, I did figure out that that was not my comfort zone and I would be much happier uh, creating the product and being able to utilize the talents of others uh, to bring those in and, and, and create something in a more collaborative environment, um, which is where I think the best work happens. Mm. And you mentioned like nine years ago, uh, it's amazing, nine years ago when you got started with that podcast, you know, two guys producing a podcast and you never would have imagined where it would go. And you thought, oh, maybe this will be something on the side while I'm doing something else. So now that you're here nine years on and you've got the previous experience from radio, how does it compare now uh, producing the radio show back in the day and now producing the podcast in terms of uh, what you're doing and the amount of joy and pleasure you're getting? And, and, and of course, the kind of feedback you're getting from your listening audience as well. Well, all of that stuff, the external stuff is all, you know, world's better. It's, it's, uh, you know, if you were to kind of define, uh, a dream job for me when I was a radio producer working in network radio or satellite radio, you know, it would be along the lines of what I do now. I can work on my own time. I can work uh, in my own locations, wherever I choose, uh, I don't have the uh, pressures of programming initiatives that come down on me and say, you know, this is how the next X amount of time is supposed to be in this business, and you need to make it sound like this. Like the freedom of those things is is worth more than anything, and I, I you know, it's 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 different. It's as different as going from you know. A, a, going from horse and buggy to a car, as far as I'm concerned. Um, however, when I put the headphones on and just do the work, that's no different. I mean, that's just, that. that's one of the things I think is so great about what I do is that like, I have moments all the time where I, I get like a sense memory of being like 24 and doing the same type of thing. Like, discovering like, oh my gosh, I've just made this thing sound like that. That's so great. Like I still get those moments. I still feel good about it and it doesn't feel a lot different. And I think to loop back into what the whole reason we're talking, uh, I think a big 
reason for that is is that I work on the same platform. I'm using the same software. Uh, it, it, it definitely helps keep it uh, normalized for me. Definitely, that's that's cool. Yeah, and you, like you say, you've grown with the software, and the software has grown with you over time, uh, introducing so many more features, particularly now with the the Creative Cloud. I'm I'm curious then. Over all this time you've worked with Adobe Audition, if you had to pick just one feature from the software uh, that you would say this is your favorite feature. What would that be? Well, it's very simple, but the, I will say the snap feature has saved my life. Like I, <laughs> I just there's so many times where I have, uh, there are times where I have accidentally turned it off, and it's just the the it's like uh, walking into a parallel dimension to 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 go like oh my gosh this does not work as well for me anymore like how what happened oh snap is off that's what, <laughs> that's what happened so I mean. That's a very, very simple, rudimentary thing. But I tell you, without it, I just would I would probably go find a different product. Wow, that's cool. Okay, so how are you using the snapping feature? How is that helping you? Well, it's, uh, you know, the, the, with so many, uh, um, tra- the, the, we don't have a, a very uh, virtuistic show. It's not like there's, there's we're, I'm not editing off tons of tracks or anything, but I like uh, precision, right? And I think any good editor probably would say the same thing. And so my feeling is like I I know exactly where I need something to come in or I need something to start or I need something to stop. And just being able to kind of set that marker and then slide something to that without the worry of did I get that right, it, it, it definitely saves me hours. Like plural like i i've I, you know like i said i've had situations where i've had to edit without it um and it i just it doesn't it doesn't work for me absolutely no it makes sense and yeah it just makes it easier for you to snap to the point that you need to get to in the audio with ease so yeah having that little magnet icon illuminated is um it's a great thing so obviously from uh you know when you're working on the podcast sometimes you're working with uh, you know hours of uh digital audio at a time inside adobe audition you must have worked out some pretty good workflows and time-saving shortcuts uh, to get you through uh, that part of your process as the executive producer of the show. Uh, so maybe you can share with us uh, some of the um, the workflows and shortcuts you're using yourself, Brendan. Well, I would say the biggest thing that's a, you know, you could call it a shortcut. I would almost just call it like a, you know, a, 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 it's a trick or it's a shorthand uh, of how uh, podcasts uh, can best utilize the, uh, the, the the platforming and the uh, distribution services that are out there for us. And it, it's largely because I knew so much about Audition uh, already once I had once we started the podcast in 2009 uh, that I had a lot of experience with how things sounded on the air, depending on uh, the bit rate and the sample type and uh, just generally the kind of sonic uh, uh, makeup of the show and how it was affected by compression. And so when we started doing the podcast, I kind of developed a little secret sauce in terms of the the bit rate, the sample type, just the format settings in general uh, that kept the size of the file relatively manageable and uh, still listenable. And I, I kind of point this out to anyone who's doing a fairly straightforward spoken word podcast, 
like don't go crazy like don't you're not producing uh you know something for mp3 quality audio for you know listening to on your bose headphones like make sure that people who are using their data uh are not you know having to tap into 100 megs to get your show uh so you know i keep a sample type at uh 22050 uh, I, I save everything in mono. It's a uh, 16-bit and 40, uh, uh, a, a constant bit rate of 40. And that gives us a show that's usually roughly about 20 megs. Uh, when we started podcasting, that was the 20 megs that the iPhone would download the show for you. Otherwise, you had to sync it. You had to literally plug in your iPhone and sync it to iTunes off of your desktop. Uh, and so that was my main motivation for keeping the file size down. Now I've been told that it has saved us uh, considerably in the realm of uh, accounting for our audience numbers, that there were a lot of fraudulent counts across the podcasting landscape due to um, uh, buffering issues that caused large file shows to uh to 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 count as more than one listen so like if you were listening to an hour-long show but it was a hundred megs that might count five times to your audience numbers and when this correction was made uh to to kind of readjust the way uh that the the platform services were were counting uh actual listens you know, there are shows that lost 75% of what they thought was their audience. It was not their audience. They were being misled, but uh, they, they just found a lot of their audience numbers, what they thought were their numbers, went away. And it was just simply because their files were too large. So uh, it was a kind of, through the virtue of, of, of uh, having a very kind of anal retentive attitude toward the, the size of the file and the format settings back in 2009, uh, we've kept a pretty manageable file size that that didn't get overcounted. So I've been very happy about that, and and uh, I was happy that I knew to do that when we started podcast. I like that, and it just goes to show you because the audio quality of the podcast is is very good. So it's yeah, when you're working with speech quality audio and you can compress that, my goodness, that must be like uh, an hour or so worth of audio into twenty megabytes. That's a ridiculously small file size. Um, but yeah, super helpful for people downloading, particularly on, on slow connections as well and in other parts of the world um, where gigabit or fiber is not a thing. I mean, 20, 20 megabytes definitely is brilliant. So you really are considering the, the worldwide audience that is out there with podcasting. So really, really awesome uh, workflow there, particularly uh, for saving podcast audio. And I think uh, a lot of people listening to the show right now will um, kind of be noting down uh, all of your settings there. You said 22050 hertz. Mono 16-bit, 48kbps CBR, um, which is brilliant for a, a long-form speech show. Uh, amazing stuff. Now, I'm really excited to um, get stuck into this question with you, Brendan, and that's your your resources and your gear, if you can, uh, that you're using to uh, make this great-sounding audio. Uh, so maybe we can talk, I don't know, mics, audio interfaces, um, I don't know, any web resources you've got for uh, effects and music. Uh, share what it is 
you're using to make the the podcast sound good? Yeah, well, equipment-wise, it's just very simple, and we really haven't changed much. It's evolved slightly, but um, you know, the general components are the same. We use Shure FM7 microphones um, and uh, Sennheiser headphones. Uh, everything goes through a old school analog Samson mixer, which I, I don't think they even make the one that we use anymore. The MDR six, uh, but any mixer will do. We just, that's a, it's like one of Mark's, like I said before, the idea of like having the car you're comfortable with, it's just what he's comfortable with. Um, just have a kind of regular old five channel headphone mixer. I think it's head amp. Um, run everything through MacBook Pro. We record into GarageBand. Um, that's, again, just because of Mark's preference, but he sends me a, a WAV file or AIF file, and I just edit that directly in Adobe. Um, in terms of other things that I'm using, I, I, again, I go fairly back to my roots in radio that I have a pretty substantial CD library of sound effects of bumpers of uh type of interstitial stuff that i can use uh for production needs uh, should i need it a lot of times we're self-generating those things those very things namely like bumpers like mark records his own music to use as bumpers and um you know i we we, we are a very show in terms of sound effects and sound design on that level. So, but when I need it, I, I have those things at the ready. I also am not above just going on a kind of internet hunt for good things to use. Uh, but in the normalized sense, I, I, I just go and reach up off a shelf. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. So yeah, some good resources there uh, for effects and um, music and obviously the uh, the mic, the headphones and the, uh, the, the mixing board you're using there. Uh, so just finally to wrap up, this has been a really great show, Brendan, and I really appreciate you uh, spending the time here today. Um, I'd like you to speak to that person listening now who's young, aspiring, uh, they want to get into this audio world. Uh, maybe they are inspired uh, to create their own podcast or or produce uh, a podcast with someone else. Um, what would be your advice to that person listening now in that position? Um, do as much work as you can on your own. Just, you know, the, 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 the resources are there for you to do that and, and just have something, uh, you know, on whatever... Um, workstation you're comfortable with, be that a laptop or a desktop or a tablet. And, uh, you know, just do as much as you can build your calling card, uh, based on your comfortability level and your ability to, to, um, kind of navigate, uh, the, the, the product that you're using, uh, make it your own. And, and also I would say like, you know, there's, there's going to be, so many more things like everybody talks about going from like, Oh, you went from radio to podcasting. Was that a big jump? And it was like, no, it was the logical progression. And I, I'm very comfortable in where I'm at. I'm at a point where like I can kind of slow down a bit, but the, a person who's coming into these emerging media and, and really trying to, uh, uh, lasso something that works for them. There's probably something that's kind of brand new. Like I was just speaking with someone the other day saying that uh, Instagram stories are kind of the new hot media property that, uh, that, that, that people are going to start hiring for. And, you know, I don't know much about that. I don't use the product, 
But man, if there's a way you can kind of make yourself expert in that, uh, um, and and part of that includes you know having high production values, higher than higher than the last person, so that you can kind of um, show off your stuff. And and if part of that is is uh, learning how to be a good audio editor, so that you can again have a leg up in the competition and 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 show that you have skills that are marketable and presentable. That's great. And you can do that all on your own. Like I, I, I you know, to g- again, go back to the entire reason we're having this conversation. I'm self-taught on Adobe, uh, going back to the cool edit days. And it was, uh, it was so fun to be able to teach myself the product and it's so easy to do that, that I never left. So, uh, I think a, a lot of people who are in that position if they're just wondering how to do it, just sit down and do it and do as much as you can on your own uh, in doing the way, the, doing stuff the way that you like. That's cool. I really like that. And yeah, just uh, sort of coming off the edge of your, your last point there, uh, Brendan, when you, you were talking about, you know, looking for the next thing and always uh, looking. So obviously it's, it's going from radio into podcasting and then there's Instagram stories um, and something else. Uh, do I understand correctly that you have an Alexa flash briefing skill? Yes, that's right. We just got that added. That was through our... Um through our, our podcast distribution host, Libsyn, uh, their arrangement with Amazon, uh, they selected, I think, 30 shows to have an Alexa skill. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, that's cool. And again, like I'm, I, I've been this way since we started, that I've, uh, it's been very unlikely that I have turned down some type of new or emerging technology or, or, or platforming opportunity uh, just because, I, you know, nobody knows where this is going it's it's going in so many different dire- directions at once it's it's best to just be involved in as many as possible uh, at least that's my philosophy excellent so look up wtf pod subscribe to wtf pod on your amazon alexa well that's brilliant thank you so much for all the information and, and sharing your your knowledge and your time your your nine years uh, in uh, the uh, production of uh, wtf uh, with mark merrin it's been a, a fascinating and inspiring conversation and just for anyone now who would like to look you up and maybe connect with you online where's the best place to find you uh well the show is uh uh, heard at WTFpod.com and iTunes and all other podcasting platforms. Uh, I, my uh, visibility is is on Twitter, uh, however limited, uh, but I'm uh, producer McD, MCD on Twitter. Awesome. Brendan, thank you so much for joining me. Okay, my pleasure, mate. If you want to grab the exact Adobe Audition template I use, head over to mrc.fm slash presets. That's mrc.fm slash presets, and you can grab my Adobe Audition multi-track template there. Hey, it's Mike back again, and I just wanted to let you know, as a podcast listener, to go and grab your free exclusive audio download from us here at Music Radio Creative. Just head over to mrc.fm forward slash play. 